Why is there such a lack of discernment? It's obvious it's there. The question is, why is it there? What has contributed to this? And simply, I'll give you the main contributor, is a weakening of doctrinal clarity and conviction. It's the most important issue you will face as you live out your Christian life in this world. That's what John MacArthur said about today's topic on Grace to You. In a series originally preached to over a thousand students at the Master's University, and what was that most important issue? In a word, discernment. But what exactly is discernment, and how do you cultivate it? John answers those questions as he issues a plea for discernment. That's the title of his current study. John, we're starting a really special series this week, and I want to set the stage for it. You originally preached this message at the Master's University in Southern California, where you serve as president. And in the audience, more than a thousand young people preparing for careers in ministry and business, science, other fields. And you decided to preach a series of lessons on discernment. And talk about that decision. Why is this the topic for that audience? Well, the Master's University, um, amazingly enough, is in its 90th year. Wow. I've been president since 1985, so 32 years I've been there. And uh, in 90 years, that university hasn't budged on its commitment. And I like to sum up our commitment in three ways. We're committed to developing wisdom, establishing convictions, and producing leaders. Hmm. Wisdom and convictions— and spiritual leadership depend on discernment. And discernment depends on your grasp of divine truth. Look, I actually believe that parents hold in their hands the next generation, and they have that stewardship, and it weighs heavy on their hearts. And there's a lot of fear in sending their kids to just any school, even a school that claims to be a Christian school. Legitimate fear, too. Yeah, it is legitimate because that may be the most dangerous place they could go because they call it Christianity and at the same time it undermines biblical truth. Right. So when we say we develop wisdom, establish conviction, and produce leaders, we do that by pouring the Word of God into young people along with whatever field they're in so that they will have discernment. Discernment is the key to everything. If you ask me what's the biggest problem in the church today, I would say a lack of discernment. Mm. People can't see where divine truth would lead them. Discernment is what you use to follow God's will and God's way. So, in fact, we recently did a complete tuition reset and dropped uh, the cost of tuition because we want more and more young people to take advantage of the Master's University opportunity. We know that people choose our university because they want their young people to have biblical convictions. And now we feel with that reset, a lot more folks are going to be able to afford to send their kids there. Discernment is everything. If you have discernment, you know the way forward and you know the answer to every issue. That's priceless. And that's why I use this as a series for the young people. So I hope you'll stay tuned with us and join the young people at the Master's University for this week of discernment. Now, let's join Chapel at the Master's University to find out what discernment is and why you can't afford to neglect it. Here's John MacArthur with a plea for discernment. As I was thinking about what I might uh, 
addressed in our chapels together, I, I just kind of asked myself the question, what's the most important thing that I could address? What's the most important issue that's going to face us as we live out our Christian lives in this world? Given that we know the Lord Jesus Christ, given that we understand the theology of justification and sanctification and all of that, what, what do we really need to know? And I thought that this is an educational institution. This is all about learning. This is all about gaining knowledge, a body of knowledge, so that uh, you are a truly educated person. But more than that, knowledge is only valuable if it becomes the driving, compelling force in the choices that you make. It, uh, it really is the height of folly to have a lot of knowledge and then make bad choices. So. In the end, knowledge should lead to wisdom, particularly if knowledge encompasses the truth of God's Word. That should make a major contribution to the wisdom that you exhibit in the choices you make in life. And your life will be the, the byproduct of your choices. I mean, you'll go through life, you'll make choices. Making the right choices is critical. It's crucial. Making the wrong choices, obviously, is critical in a negative sense. But life will become a series of choices. What are the criteria for you to make the choices that you need to make to assure that in the end you can look back over your life and be grateful for all the blessing of God that you've enjoyed? I want to help you with that a little bit. Another way to approach the subject would be to ask the question, what is the greatest need? People ask me this all the time. What's the greatest need in the church today? What is the most compelling need? What do you see as the biggest problem in Christianity, the biggest problem in the church? It's simple for me to answer that. Biggest problem in the church today is the absence of discernment. It's a lack of discernment. It's the biggest problem with Christian people. They make bad choices. They accept the wrong thing. They accept the wrong theology. They are prone to the wrong teaching. They're unwise in who they follow, what they listen to, and what they read. I'll tell you a funny story that will sort of set us on our course here to talk about discernment. Um, it was a number of years ago, my son Mark, who graduated from college, was uh, signed to play baseball with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, he said, I don't know where they're going to assign me, but uh, would you bring me my car? Wherever I'm going to be, I'm going to need my car. Would you bring it to me? And I thought, you know, Palm Springs or Arizona would be great. They assigned him to Savannah, Georgia. And he had this little Honda that I was going to have to drive from here to Savannah, Georgia. But what's a father going to do? I said, sure, I'll bring you your car and I'll, I'll have it there um, when the season begins and you get there from spring training. So I jumped in this little Honda and off I went, shifting my way through the five speeds. I finally arrived in Arkansas. I saw a little sign, one of those handmade wooden signs with the word quilts on it. And I thought, well, I'm gone for a week doing this. Maybe I could pick up a quilt for Patricia. She'd appreciate that. And she likes quilts and probably they're handmade. It'd be kind of neat. So I took off this dirt road with a little arrow pointed quilts and I drove through the rain and the mud and I came to this shack, really just a shack, with one of those flapping screen doors. And I jumped up on the porch in the rain and it was really dark inside and smoke filled. And I kind of looked like, you know, is there anybody here? And then I said, hello. And this voice from the inside comes back and says, what do you want? 
I said, I want a quilt. <laughs> she, she let me in and I walked in the door and I knew I was in a bad situation. And um, I said, well, I saw the sign about the quilts and I just wondered if, you know, I could see some quilts. And then I looked to my left and I saw this man sitting in this huge, overstuffed, cheap recliner, all worn. And I know he had been in there for years. I mean, he just was in there. And to his left were stacked all kinds of magazines and newspapers, and to his right were videos, and he had two TVs and two video machines. I mean, this, he might as well have been a statue. And he said, uh, he said, my name's Johnny. He said, uh, I said, well, Johnny, I said, uh, you got a lot of literature here. And I looked over and he had books by James Dobson and he had books by the Uni Unity Fellowship, Unitarianism. He had Mormon stuff. He had Christian Science magazines. He had the Worldwide Church of God literature. He had Moody Press stuff. He had all kinds of stuff in this assortment. And I said, you know, you, you have quite a mix of things here. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, there's good in all of it. There's good in all of it. That is a lack of discernment, isn't it? Then all of a sudden his wife says to me, I have just the quilt for you. And she ran in the back. She said, I made it myself. She ran in the back. She came out with the ugliest quilt you have ever seen. It was absolutely nondescript. It was no particular color or pattern. So I, I didn't know what to say to this lady. And so I said, that is a quilt. She said, I made it myself. And I had to think fast, so I said, well, you know, it's, it's just not the color I was looking for. And she said, well, it's got every color in it. And I said, no, I, I don't think I, I'd want that. And I thanked the men I left, and I went out and I realized that uh, she had quilted her husband's theology into that quilt, sort of metaphorically. That quilt was like a metaphor for her husband's eclectic theology. It was a whole bunch of nothing all sewn together that made no sense. That's a little incident that sticks. I, by the way, I bought my wife a quilt somewhere else in Arkansas. It worked out fine. A blue one, you know, just blue. But I realized, it was, as I think back, it was, like a, it was like a sort of a symbolic experience. No discernment, no discrimination theologically, and she had no discrimination in terms of beauty. You know, so many people's lives are like that. They're just ugly quilts that make no sense, that have no rhyme or reason, just the bits and pieces of life all sewn together without any particular pattern, indiscriminate. I'm afraid that is uh, pretty typical of the contemporary evangelical scene. There's a lack of precision in thinking. There's a lack of consistency. There's a lack of integrity. It's just a hodgepodge, listening to anybody and everybody, reading anything, making no particular judgments. In fact, to make a judgment may be seen as unchristian. Boundless 
endless credulity, anything and everything except that there's got to be good in all of it. How dare you question anybody's view on anything? And I really believe that because of this pervasive attitude, evangelical Christianity, biblical Christianity as we know it, is fighting for its life. Amazing to think about. But by the grace and intervention of God, the biblical Christianity that you and I know could go out of existence if left in the hands of the general evangelical consensus. So it seems to me that if any problem outstrips the other problems in the church, and if any problem outstrips the other problems in an individual Christian's life, this growing lack of spiritual discrimination is, in my judgment, the main issue. This is, this is really what is the death knell to biblical Christianity. Bad decisions, faulty reasoning, superficial understanding, shallow knowledge, ignorance are contributing and always have contributed more anguish to the church than any persecution. I would rather the church be persecuted. I would rather Christians shed their blood than abandon their theology. In fact, there's no question historically that the lack of discernment, discrimination, precision regarding the truth has cost the church far more than all the persecutions of the church combined. You show me a persecuted church and I'll show you a church that clings with tenacity to the truth. You show me an affluent, flourishing, comfortable church and I'll show you a church that easily abandons the truth. Persecution has taken its toll on lives, but it strengthens the church because it strengthens our grip on the truth. So I want to talk about this issue of discernment. And I'm not just talking sort of historically, although we will look at that a little bit. I want to get it down eventually as we go through the week to our own practical lives. We are warned in Scripture about ear-tickling teachers who just want to give the feel-good message to us, no matter whether it's truth or not. We're warned about doctrines of demons, demonic lies, destructive heresies, myths perverse teachings, commandments of men rather than God. We are warned about speculations that uh, lofty ideas raised up against the knowledge of God. We're warned about deceitful spirits. We're warned about worldly fables. We're warned about false knowledge, empty philosophy, science falsely so-called, traditions of men, worldly wisdom, corruptors and adulterers of the Word of God. We're warned about all of that. We're warned about um, wolves in sheep's clothing who come along to devour us. They come as if they are prophets. They turn out to be uh, destructive agents of Satan. I mean, we have these warnings all over the place in the New Testament. They're also everywhere in the Old Testament. Now, to put it simply, there is a world of chaos and confusion out there, and Satan is very adept and very clever and very powerful and very systematic in the structure of evil that is wrapped up in the system in which we live. Against that is pitted the truth of God. And we have to be able to discern the difference. Let me give you an illustration of what we might be talking about. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. 
Matthew chapter 16. Just a simple illustration comes in the first four verses here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, who never could get together on anything except their mutual hatred of Jesus, so they came up, as they often did, and testing Him, asked Him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? What Jesus said to them is interesting. He said, you're religious authorities. You're the religious elite. And frankly, your primitive way of telling the weather is better than your spiritual discernment. That's what He's saying. You cannot discern the signs of the times. What He means by that is you can't discern spiritual issues. You don't even know you're addressing the Messiah of God. You don't even understand that the kingdom of heaven has come to you. You're unsophisticated weathermen, but you're better at that than you are at your theology. And so this is the issue that I want to talk about a little bit, the ability to distinguish between the false and the true, which is essential and possible for you as a Christian in order that you might make the right decision. Two passages that sort of set the frame for us. Go to the end of 2 Corinthians for a moment, chapter 11. Chapter 11. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness, uh, verse 1, 2 Corinthians 11. And Paul always obviously had a lot of problems with the Corinthian church. Repeatedly they uh, failed to uh, fulfill his hopes and desires for them falling into all kinds of sinful patterns as well as believing false teachers. And here was his concern. Verse 2, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, and I want to pre present you to Christ someday in the, you know, when you enter into His presence as a pure virgin. So I have this godly jealousy. I, um, I have linked you to Christ, and I want to keep you pure until the time you meet Him. But I'm afraid, verse 3 says lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray." That's what he was afraid of. He's afraid that their minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Verse 4, if someone comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, different than the Holy Spirit, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. You tolerate it. Another Christ, another gospel, another spirit, and you don't have a problem with it. You lack discernment. My great fear, my great fear is this, that you will be led astray. And I can tell you as a pastor, I can tell you as a president, that's a great fear that I have for you. It's happened with people who have gone through the college and graduated and been led astray into some false teaching that dishonors God, some lies. And then it boils down, too, to the de decisions that you make day in and day out that affect the course of your life. Manifesting discernment at that level is critical as well. Now, I want to take you to the main passage that we're going to be dealing with, and that's over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
Now this is a very important passage of Scripture. It's one of those really great summary passages in which the Apostle Paul pulls together like what you would call bullet points, uh, basics of Christian living. Verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, everything give thanks. Verse 19, don't quench the Spirit. And then comes verse 20, do not despise, do not downgrade, that's what that Greek word means, do not belittle, do not treat as trivial or insignificant, prophetic utterances, propheteos. What is propheteos? It is the gift of interpreting the divine will. It is the gift of interpreting divine purpose. It is the skill for the public proclaiming of God's Word. What he's saying is, do not despise preaching. Do not despise the presentation of the divine will. Don't belittle preaching. Don't treat it lightly or trivially. Don't downgrade it, although many people do that today. But while you're hearing preaching and while you're elevating propheteos, the gift of interpreting and proclaiming the divine will, do this, examine everything carefully. That's what that word means. Examine is dokimadzo, very important Greek word, very familiar word, by the way, to, to the students of the New Testament language, used very often to refer to something that is tested, something that is tested very carefully so as to reveal its genuineness, something that is subjected to scrutiny analysis. Sometimes it's used of testing metals to determine the degree of their purity. Test everything you hear. Be like the noble Bereans, he is saying. Search the Scripture to determine whether these things in fact are so. If you have had the opportunity to come to the Master's College and to be trained here and taught here, and go out of here. You ought to be a front-line person in terms of a saying what you hear or what others hear. You ought to be on the front line of discernment. You ought to be useful in the Dakimadzo process. Test everything to determine what's true. That's grace to you with John MacArthur as he began a study today titled, A Plea for Discernment. Friend, since John originally shared these messages to a university audience, the CDs could be particularly helpful for a young person you know, perhaps someone heading to college next fall. You can purchase the CD album for a reasonable cost or download A Plea for Discernment in MP3 format at no cost to you from our website. Download or purchase this series today. Reach us from the UK toll-free from your landline at 0800 389 3958 and from anywhere in Europe call 0044 1233 662 262. Now you're going to want to take advantage of the volumes of free Bible teaching material on our website, gty.org.uk. You'll find 3,000 sermon MP3s and transcripts John's entire pulpit ministry, decades of teaching. There are apps for mobile devices, and you can subscribe to podcasts, including the Pulpit Podcast, 
which gives you John's newest messages mere days after he preaches them. That and much more is yours free at gty.org.uk. And thanks for remembering this broadcast is heard on this station, and we're able to load our website with so much free Bible teaching media because friends like you are being strengthened by John's teaching and then give in response. Let us know you're listening and praying, and thank you for your support as you're led and able. Our address, P.O. Box 153, Ashford, Kent, TN 24-8WE, and our Europe-wide phone number, 044-1233-662-262. Now for John MacArthur. Be here for the next half hour of Unleashing God's Truth, one verse at a time, on Grace to You. 30 minutes of practical, in-depth study in God's Word. Why not invite a friend to join you and John MacArthur here next time on Grace to You. Thank you.